There's no Pinterest perfect family. All of our families are awkward. Thank you for joining Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast of My Awkward Family, designed to knock some of the awkward out of all of us. Our, our, our culture is based off of, it's built off of perfection in comparison. So, you know, these awkward family stories, we, we can't tell these awkward family stories because they're not perfect. They're, they're, uh, uh, we, we compare ourselves to the perfection and, and because they're not perfect, we've got to tell, keep them to ourselves. So we're, we're allowing you to get your family secrets out about how awkward you are uh, this series. So... Um, uh, and, and like I said, our, our culture is built off of perfection in comparison. I went to a, like a half-day type conference thing on, on Tuesday and, and a bunch of ministers and pastors and stuff there. And immediately when actually, even before I walk into those places, my gut starts like uh, wrenching up because I, I, just get, I just get nervous and, 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 and everybody is so perfect at those things. Everybody's so perfect. Everything is so awesome. Everybody else's churches are, are, are awesome and going well and big and huge and perfect and painted perfectly. And they've got their perfect brochures and their perfect strategies and their perfect systems and their perfect people. And it just makes me want to puke, right? And, and, and I, I, said by, I said by Hosey Ballou, the pastor, uh, former pastor at Ridgecrest who uh, uh, served there for 30 years. He was my pastor from sixth grade to senior in, in college and, and sat by him. And, and it, it can, if you let it get to you, it can be intimidating, right? It can be intimidating because you look at what you've got and look at what other people have and you're going, oh, fell it. Okay, I'm just going to go here. Fellas, why do you stand one urinal away? Because I don't like creep. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to be compared, right? And so, look, we, it's all over the place. We all deal with it. We all deal with it. And I talked about it a little bit last week when we started My Awkward Family and My Awkward Husband. I talked about it a little bit last week with the husbands and everything and, and the men. And, and, and with perfection in comparison with the men, what ends up happening is that we end up going into our man cave. We end up creating an alternative reality to reality. And, and, and we go hide in our man cave. And last week we saw that our goal in life, God's goal for us in life, is to, is to sacrifice so that other people flourish. That's what our goal in life, our God-given goal in life is, is to sacrifice so that other people flourish. <clears throat> when it comes to family, when it comes to husbands and fathers, that, that the others is our wife and our kids first. But this is, this is what it looks like to be a disciple-making man, a disciple-making church, is that you sacrifice in order to let other people flourish. And so this week, this week, ladies, maybe this is why, Denny, maybe this is why we have low attendance, because this week, it's, everybody saw on Facebook, it's my awkward family, it's my awkward wife. No, that, that, that is not describing my life, that is the sermon title this morning, okay? So just to set that on record as to, you know, what's going on and what's happening here. My awkward wife. So maybe that's why attendance is down. Everybody would just rather roll the dice with, with the rivals next week rather than the, the wife's wife sermon this week. But uh, uh, we're, we're taking a look at my awkward wife. 
And we're taking a look at this story from the Old Testament, from 1 Samuel, with an awkward family that had imperfect faith, but they still had faith. And God still used this awkward family to accomplish his mission. And his mission for this family was simply to, to change the course of his nation. That's quite, that's quite the mission, right? To completely change the course of, 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 of Israel, of a whole nation. God used this awkward family in this way, and their imperfect faith in this way. And true to form, true to form, the wife, the wife, Hannah, in this story is the least awkward of them all. Right? True to form? Fellas, I, I tried to help you out there. I tried, lobbed one up there. No amens or anything for, for that. The wife is the least awkward of the family. Amen. There, okay, someone like, hello! Do, do, do. Is this thing on? Some of you are like, my wife's not here. I'm off the hook. So, uh, but, but Hannah, we see Hannah, but as we saw last week, Hannah was the guy's first wife. She couldn't have children, so he got another wife, Paniah. That's awkward, you know, if you weren't here last week, like, like, that's awkward. Yes, yes it is. That's why we're calling it my awkward family. But we see, we see how Hannah deals with perfection in comparison. See, ladies, you guys deal with this way more than what we do as men. I can prove it to you. One simple illustration, the checkout stand. The checkout stand. All the magazines, right? How to have the perfect body. How to have the perfect sex life. How to have the perfect husband. How to have the perfect home. How to have, you know, five steps to, 30 ideas of, 101 rules of. Like, who on earth would ever come up with 101 of anything? Like, that's your next task, Paul. 101 list, you know, next one. Like, come on. Like, who would, who would have come up with that? And second of all, who would actually read that and go, I need to do all of these? But, but the checkout stand, the checkout stand proves that you all, you all deal with perfection and comparison unlike what we do. Do we have that as men? Absolutely. But you ladies, I mean, that is just, that is just rampant, right? You ever, you ever thought about this? You ever thought about this? How guys' magazines have beautiful, scantily clad women on them and women's magazines? have beautiful, scantily clad women on them. It's perfection, right? Here's perfection. Here's perfection. And then what happens? Parties. <laughs> Hardies. Oh, Hardies. Yes. No, that's for the men. But anyway, uh, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, but where was I? Perfection, comparison. Yes. But what happens? What happens? We compare ourselves to the perfect, and we find out we've got holes, right? We find out we've got holes. And what fills the holes? We said last week for men, we, we go into hiding, essentially. But for ladies, what fills your hole? Oh, that didn't come out right. What? <laughs> Woo! My awkward family. Uh, ladies, what happens when we have holes? <laughs> No, it's not, is it? <laughs> voids. Voids, yes. Maybe voids. It's, it works. Yeah. Negativity, right? Negativity happens. And, and, and it first and foremost goes to yourself. I'm not good enough. 
I don't look like that. I don't have that kind of body. I don't have that kind of family. I don't have that kind of husband. I don't have that kind of home. I don't have... It starts internal. And maybe that's where it stops for you. But it could then stream out into other people. Where you're negative towards other people. And it's a poison. It's a poison that gets in our stream, and it's a poison that gets in our life. And, and, and the more our, the poison goes out to ourselves and to other people, what happens? The stronger the poison gets, right? See, Hannah, Hannah dealt with this poison. This isn't a new thing. See, the reason why I can get up and preach a, a message for wives is that we rely on the Bible and we can see into people's lives that maybe something that we wouldn't otherwise be able to see into. I had a guy yesterday, another referee is like, that we're friends on Facebook. He's like, dude, man, what are you doing? I'm like, maybe you just need to come and see how this ends. And he has a conceal and carry license. I about asked him just to, you know, come and carry, just help out, you know, whatever needs to be done. But, you know, just in case, just in case. Hannah, 1 Samuel, chapter 1. So Peniah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year was the same. Peniah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah, her husband, would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? And we looked at that last week. But, but we see the negativity cropping up in this story. Peniah had a negativity towards Hannah. See, Hannah had the perfection of looking at Peniah and going, I can't have children, but she can. But Peniah looked at Hannah and said, you have the love of our husband. See, what we didn't read is that before that, what we read last week is that, that Elkanah loved Hannah and would give her a double portion. And Peniah saw that and her negativity spewed out into being a mean girl. And that's what we really do, Right? We mean girl ourselves, we mean girl other people. And Hannah dealt with this. She had it happening in her life. And then we have her, her husband, bless his heart, right? That's church speak for you're a moron, right? right? Bless his heart, bless your heart. That's, if you ever hear that, bless your heart. They're saying you're a moron, okay? That's, that's code, just translate that for you. But we're just too nice to actually say it, right? He sets this kind of unintentional perfection out there. Aren't I as good as ten sons? And she's dealing with this. And then later on we see when she goes to the, to the tabernacle to pray, and we'll get more into that in a minute, the priest there that's supposed to be like priestly, Here's what he does. And she was praying to the Lord. Eli, the priest, watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. You come to church imperfect? What's your problem? See, this isn't anything new. This is written 2,000 years or so before Christ ever showed up. This is nothing new. This perfection, this comparison is nothing new. 
Hannah has de- is dealing with that. So what does she do? Going back a little bit uh, uh, from, from the second, this second episode with Eli, uh, 1 Samuel 1, 9. After, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly. I mean, kiss these words, okay? Bitter. As she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. That's what we know as a Nazarite vow. Samson was the other famous Nazarite in the Bible. But we've never done this, right? Be in such deep anguish that we make a vow to God. You get me out of this. You do this. You do that. I will do this, Lord. She does this. She makes a vow. If you give me a son, Lord. See, this was, this was vital. The sons, they, 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 they took the family line and kept it going. There was nothing higher than kids in this time period and nothing higher than having a son in this time period. But as she's praying and, 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 and Eli was like, don't come here drunk. Here's what she says after this. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. See the word play here? I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm not pouring out a bottle into my life. I am pouring out my life before the Lord because I am bitter. I am discouraged. Don't think I am a wicked woman for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. And actually the concept behind anguish and sorrow there is actually anger and complaining. So here we have Hannah. Here we have Hannah who is bitter, discouraged, complaining, angry. Look, we're not talking. This isn't, this isn't just think positive, happy thoughts. That's not reality. This isn't just think about rainbows and unicorns. This isn't thinking about cats and bunnies and bunnies with big, huge eyes. This isn't think positive thoughts. See, Hannah isn't thinking positive thoughts. She is angry She is complaining. She is bitter. She is discouraged. But instead of allowing her negativity to stream out to herself and to other people, what does she do? She pours it out to God. She pours it out to God. See, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Ladies, if if students, if you allow your negativity to be poured out, you become the mean girl on campus. Or you mean girl yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect enough. I don't have a good enough body. I don't have a a good good enough life. I don't have a good enough boyfriend. I don't have a good enough. And wives, what happens? Our negativity goes out to our kids and our husbands. We start mean girling them. But see, what what happens is that really when we do this, the poison that's going out of us is actually just poisoning us even more. 
When we try to poison other people, it just poisons us even more. And the poison keeps getting, getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But instead of allowing it to stream out to other people, Hannah streamed her negativity, poured out her negativity to God. Here's the deal. He's a sponge. He's a sponge. We can be real with God. Because he's a sponge. He absorbs it all. He's the only one that can absorb it. He's the only one that can go to the source, close up the hole, and keep the poison out of our life. Here's the deal as well. Sometimes in church, we, we and, and you know, like from the story, it's just a story, and we see the highlights of the story. We don't see the ongoing effect of the story. But sometimes in church, we're just like, ah, pray this prayer once, and it's going to be great for all time. No. What's going to happen? You're going to show back up at the checkout line. You're going to watch another movie. You're going to watch daytime TV that projects perfection. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get this perfection message everywhere. It's a prayer that you have to keep praying. It's a deal that you have to keep dealing on. It's a struggle. Especially when you first decide, I am through with this. I want something different. Because you have to train yourself. You have to discipline yourself to go, no, I'm going to pour this out to God. I'm going to let him absorb and close up the hole. I'm going to let him take the poison, not somebody else. Because we've got to know, we've got to know that the poison only poisons ourselves. Only poisons ourselves. That's it. I want, I want all of us here, but I want us ladies here to hear this next thing. Hear this next thing. 1 Samuel 1.17, in that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. Now, Hannah never told him the request. She never said, I'm praying for a son. Eli kind of sheepishly backs off and goes, may God grant your request. Now, she could have been drunk praying for more wine. She could have been praying, God, destroy this tabernacle. She could have been praying, God, kill Eli. <laughs> He's like, never mind, just whatever you're praying for, you, may God grant that request. Then what happens? Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. She didn't get over it by just getting over it, okay? That's not what this is saying. She got over it because God refreshed her. God refreshed her. God absorbed the negativity when she poured it out to him. He closed up the hole that was in her heart, and God refreshed her, renewed her, allowed her to go happy. And allowed her to eat again. I didn't think of this before now, but I want to say this. Known fact, ladies, you deal more with eating issues than men. Again, nothing new under the sun. We're, we're talking 4,000 years ago here. 
She stopped eating because she was so distraught over perfection. Let God refresh you. See, God was Hannah's knight in shining armor. Not her husband, not a priest, not a kid. God was Hannah's knight in shining armor. He's the one that saves. He's the one that refreshes. He's the one that gives new life. In chapter 2, Hannah gave a prayer. It'd be worth you going and looking at, but I'm, not, I'm only going to read the very first verse. Then Hannah prayed, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you have rescued me. God is her knight in shining armor. He's the one that rescued her. He's the one that made her strong. He's the one that absorbed the negativity. He's the one that closed the hole in her heart. He's the one that refreshed her. He's the one that strengthened her. He's the one that renewed her. He's the one that gave her life. He's the one that allowed her to go away happy. Not another man. What are we really talking about here? See, biblical times, names meant something. Names were actually a vital part of the story of what really was going on. And so here we see Hannah. The name Hannah. What does the name Hannah mean? Grace. Grace. God's grace, right? Some of you went ahead and finished that in your head for us, but Grace. What is grace? Abundantly giving in abundant need. Abundantly giving in abundant need. If somebody is gracious to you, they have given you out of their abundance when you were in abundant need. Here, Hannah was in abundant need. Her need, her need that she thought she had was having a child. She had an abundant need. What did God do in her abundant need? In due time, 1 Samuel 1.20, and in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord of him. He gave her a son. But then 2.21 and the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. I think the three and two were besides Samuel. I think she ended up having four sons total and two daughters total. He abundantly gave to her in her abundant need. Now, God may answer your direct prayer like he did with Hannah. He answered her direct prayer. Give me a son. Then like a Pez dispenser, she had sons. At least how it shows up in the Bible, right? At least nine months at a time. But she had kids. But he may also give abundantly in what you don't ask for. You may be asking for A, but he actually gives you abundantly in B. Why? Because God is sovereign he is going to give you grace in line with your purpose. 
See, Hannah's purpose was to be, was to be the mother of the man who would change the course of the nation of Israel. That was her purpose. And he gave her grace in line with that purpose. Circumstances needed to be aligned and ready and in place for that to occur. I want you to catch something. I want you to know something. Because when you go to the bookstore, the Christian bookstore, to get a book on prayer, it's going to be perfection in words. And you're going to compare yourself to that and say, I'm not that. I've prayed for this. This person got what they wanted, and I'm not. What's wrong with me? Right? What's wrong with me? What's going on? Let's see. God didn't give Hannah her request because she finally figured out how to pray. God did not give Hannah her request because she finally vowed the right thing. God did not give Hannah her request because she got on her knees the correct way or held her mouth the right way or or did everything exactly the right way. Why did God give Hannah her request? Because he's sovereign and he's gracious. And I want that to release you because you don't have to be perfect in prayer. You don't have to be perfect in your spiritual life. You don't have to have this perfect prayer life for God to answer his prayer, your prayer. You will simply, he will simply answer prayers in line with your purpose, with his, with his purpose for your life. And he'll be gracious and he'll give abundantly. I want you to hear that. Because there's a chance that you'd walk out of here going, what's wrong with me? Nothing. God simply wants his sovereignty to reign. And he wants all the right things to be lined up so that your purpose will have the most impact. So what happens? What happens when God is gracious? What happens when we receive God's grace? God abundance in our abundant need. 1 Samuel 1.24, when the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. She, she, she came through with her vow. Like, <clears throat> when we vow, what happens? God comes through, and then what do we do? find a million and one reasons why not to come through with our vow, right? <laughs> I was crazy. I was distraught. I was this. I was that. You know, Hannah, I mean, we're talking about giving away a kid to the, to the tabernacle to let him live there the rest of his life. She could have found a million and one reasons to not come through with her vow. Well, maybe I was drunk that day. Now, the, now I was thinking about it. Maybe I was drunk. So if I was drunk, then I'm not on the hook for my vow. And blah, blah. But she followed through and gave her son to the Lord. But that's not all that I want us to see here. Not only that, but she also brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. Like, wait a minute, this 
God get into Valentine's Day too? What's going on? What's, what's going on here? Like basket of what? And wine? Like what's, what's happening? Look, this is, a, this is a major league sacrifice here. God allowed different levels of sacrifice so that no matter what, um, no matter what income level you were at, you had a sacrifice that matched your income level. If you were poor, he said, bring a dove. If you were rich, he said, bring a bull. This was a rich person's sacrifice. We don't know if Elkanah was rich or not. But here's the point. She was gracious back to God when he was gracious to her. She was gracious back to God. She gave out of the abundance that God gave to her. Three ways that we're gracious to God. One time. He's been gracious by time. We can be gracious to God back with our time. Especially when it comes to the relationship that he wants to have with us. And that we're making sure that we're giving him some time. Two, like Hannah here, what we're talking about, resources. Now, now, thank goodness we don't bring bulls into our church service and go, here you go, pastor, have fun. <laughs> no, unless you want to cut it up and take care of all that process first, then all for it. But anyway... Like Paul, vegetation, vegetarians, you can have that. I can eat enough meat for the rest of you. Okay. But in our resources, where God has given us abundantly, we give back to God out of the abundance that he has given to us. And this church does respond to that. That is, that is something that when we have a need, God moves in people's hearts and you respond. This month, this month, as you, as, as you know, we expanded, we've expanded our space and therefore we've expanded our expenses. But, but this month has been good so far and you've responded to God as he's given out of abundance. But not only our time, but our gifts. Not only our resources, but our gifts as well. He's given to us abundantly with gifts. And so we give back abundantly with our gift that he's given. He's, he's uniquely designed us for a purpose. And, 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 and ladies, this really can affect you here. Like, I don't have any gifts. I don't, I don't know what I'm good at. And, and, and the church is for, for men to lead. And I know verses. I know. I know. I got it. I went to seminary. I got those verses. However, the Bible and the gospel and the New Testament was the most liberating, and the church was the most liberating spot for women because they allowed women to find their place. And say, you're gifted as well. Some of you, some of you, you stay at home with kids. And so therefore, you're freer throughout the day to be able to give time and your gifts and etc. Some of you are stuck to a desk or stuck to a classroom or stuck to an office. And you're not. The, 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 the object here isn't how much. Object isn't how much. And again, that comparison. Well, I can't give as much as her, so it doesn't matter. No. Where's our heart? Where's our heart? Have, are we able to give out of the abundance that God has given? For some, that's going to be a lot. For some, that's going to be less. 
For those that, 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 for some, that's going to be more on the time than the resources. For others, it's going to be more on the resources than the time. And we've all got our place and we've all got our purpose and God will give us graciously in line with that purpose that he has for us. But every time, every time when we are giving, when when we are given abundance from God and we give back abundantly to him, it's not just in a vertical way. It's horizontal. 1 Samuel 2.18, but but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. See, instead of getting mad at God for taking her son, instead of helicoptering over him to make sure he's safe, she had plenty of reason to do that. We'll get into that next week. Giving her son over to Eli wasn't necessarily the quote-unquote the smartest thing to do. But she allowed his purpose to happen. And not only that, she provided for his purpose. Just like the men last week. When everything is said and done, when God is abundant towards us, we are abundant towards others to provide for their purpose. She was providing for his purpose by bringing him coats to wear while while he was serving in the tabernacle providing for his purpose. Those of you that, that, that may still be single right now, find somebody that's younger. Provide for their purpose. Those of you that are married, have kids, provide for your husband's purpose. Allow him to find and, and, and flourish in his purpose. Provide for your kid's purpose. And allow them to find independence. Provide for their purpose. Not provide their purpose for them. It's a big difference. We'll get to that the last couple of weeks in this series. And, ladies, if you can, find some time. Carve out some time. No matter if you're married, with kids, whatever. Carve out some time. Find another young lady to help her find her purpose and flourish. God wants to give you abundance. He wants to give you grace to refresh and renew you. Because as soon as we walk out these doors, what's going to slap us in the face? Perfection. Perfection. The wind, but perfection as well, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Paul's like, I don't know about you, but that wind's cold. That's going to slap me in the face. Perfection. We're going to deal with it as soon as we walk out of here. This is a struggle that we have to struggle against every day of our lives. But the first part of the battle is just knowing that it's a battle to begin with and that everybody else is in the battle as well. My awkward family, everybody's in this battle. Everybody. It's imperfect faith, 
But God has a purpose for you, and he's going to give you grace along the lines of that purpose. Singles, I want you to know this. A man is not your knight in shining armor. Because of boneheads, we have made having a relationship our knight in shining armor. And we keep going, and we keep going, and we keep going with that. We start it young. Hey, little Johnny, do you have a girlfriend yet? You're four! Stop it! We might be joking, but what we're telling little Johnny and little, little Susie is that you cannot be perfect without a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Those of you that are married, your husband is not your knight in shining armor. Your husband is not your savior. Jesus is. He died on the cross to absorb the poison that wants to poison our soul. Every ounce of it. And our husband is not that. Now, our husband is to lead us there. Yes. But he's not your savior. And we see this, this, this from this story that Elkanah, while leading in worship, we also see him somewhat absent in this, this portion of the story. See, I think this is important because even if you go, well, what if I have a husband that doesn't lead me there? Well, Hannah... Hannah, right? You don't need a husband that leads you there. You have a Savior that died on the cross for you. Will it be more difficult? Absolutely. Let's not, let's not gloss over that. And husbands that are here, we talked about this last week. Make sure you're leading them to the foot of, feet of Jesus so that they can have Him as their Savior, not you. Imagine, ladies, imagine a life where you get refreshed daily at the feet of Jesus, that you receive abundantly from Jesus because you are pouring the negativity that is in you, that is inevitable. I am not saying get over it. The Bible is not saying get over it. It's saying pour it to Jesus. Imagine being refreshed daily in that. That's the type of life that God wants you to live. And imagine, and imagine, out of that grace, out of that refreshment, you get to refresh others and bring that grace to others because you've received it yourself. That's the purpose God has for you. You flourish to flourish others. Wives, ladies, you flourish to flourish others. So we have our reflection time. There will be some people in the back. Shelly will be back there as a, as, a, as a lady. You can grab another lady if you want to pray. Uh, Paul and I will be back there, but we don't fill the lady void quite as well as Shelly or another lady would. If you need help finding God, to absorb this poison that we're talking about, grab somebody, pray with them, let them lead you to God. And during this time, use this time to let God refresh you. Let's pray. And Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I just pray that 
Every one of us are refreshed. I mean, grace isn't a girl thing. It's a, it's a person thing. But at the same time, there's topics, there's ideas, there's thoughts that, that resound with certain genders above others. And I think this is one that really holds true. And, 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 and God, just wave your grace over the hearts of these ladies. Let them be refreshed. Let them flourish because you absorb and close up the hole in their heart, hearts. Lord, I just pray that those that might be here that walk in just beat up because the perfection idea, just that they can find your abundance. Can walk out of here with, a, with, with, with joy because you've refreshed them. Be abundant today in this time. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. We invite you to join us on a Sunday at 10 a.m.